My name is Willie Braun. I'm the cellist of the Scars Quartet, and along with my Scars Quartet colleagues, I'm a co-host of the Counterpoint Club. Welcome to this encore, the full interview with Alyssa Saint originally heard in the first episode of Opus One of the Counterpoint Club. In the full episode, titled May the Paycheck Be With You, we discuss the many forms a career in the music industry can take. Justin describes a brief history of the string quartet as a full-time career in the United States. During the guest interview portion of the podcast, Justin and Sarah interview world-renowned concert violinist Augustine Hadelich. In our technique segment, I spoke with Alyssa Saint. Alyssa is a violinist and currently works at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music as an associate director of admissions. Alyssa and I met in the very beginning of our undergraduate degrees together, and we've been close friends ever since. We asked Alyssa to join us for this episode to share her professional story as a musician with a non-performance-based career in music, as well as her advice for high school students interested in applying to a music degree program. In addition to this interview, we've also created a special blog post with more resources for high school musicians, which you can find at thecounterpointclub.org. We've got links to the resources that Alyssa recommends in the interview, as well as a fantastic handout that she created. It details a four-year timeline for high school students on the process for researching schools and submitting applications. We hope you enjoy this full interview with Alyssa Saint. Alyssa, welcome to the Counterpoint Club. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so glad you're here. Can you please tell us a bit about your journey from majoring in music to the various jobs you've had in arts admin to where you are now? Sure. So I spent a summer at Aspen, as almost everyone has. Um, and when I was there, I really needed another way to make money because Aspen's expensive. So I worked in the box office there and I actually ended up really enjoying it. And it was a great way to meet different people and meet people within the community at Aspen and learn more about why people go to concerts. Um, and so when I got back to school, I got a job at a local performing arts center in their box office. And that was an even more enriching experience. I got to see a lot of different concerts, so jazz and comedy shows and just the whole gamut of things. and. I, at that point, I was finishing up my undergrad and I had taken one or two orchestra auditions and they were easily the worst experiences of my life. And I knew that this wasn't what I should be doing. <laughs> I had to make a decision at that point what I really wanted to do. And this was all as I was starting my master's degree in performance. And so it was a somewhat bizarre conversation to be having at that time, knowing that I wasn't going to be getting a, I wasn't going to be having a career in performance, even though I was working, actively working on a degree in performance. So I decided to continue looking at other admin jobs and after my master's degree, instead of, you know, taking a year and really going after those auditions, I applied to jobs and moved to San Francisco 
and worked for San Francisco Ballet and their development department. And those positions turned into more operations-based things. So I was helping the fundraising department do logistical things. And from there, I sort of bounced in between development and admissions jobs and I'm in admissions now. And I think the common thread through all of it is I've always wanted to stay close to the arts. I've always wanted to be able to continue seeing performances and being around artists. So when I was at the ballet, those ballet studios were the floor above us. And so I could hear them in rehearsal dancing, which was cool. Um, I got to see Nutcracker from backstage and see the stage manager call the show, which was a crazy experience. Um, and I've gotten to see, you know, most of the ring cycle with San Francisco Opera. So it's, it's been a really good balance of doing something slightly different than the intended path, but I'm still very much close to what that original intent was. And playing music has still been part of your career too, right? You've had other opportunities in various capacities, right? Yeah, so there's a ton of community orchestras in San Francisco. So I've played with a couple of those. When I I worked full-time at the Aspen Music Festival, and when I did that, I was teaching after school, um, both like group violin lessons for elementary school kids and private lessons. So it's very much still been a part of my life. It's just not been quite as much as you think you would be when you're, you know, 10 years old playing the violin. How has having multiple music degrees opened up opportunities for you that might not otherwise have been available in your current field? Definitely during my master's degree, I spent a lot more time working on projects and really expanding my knowledge of different repertoire. I spent a lot of my master's degree working on new music. It was a situation where I played one piece by John Adams and I was suddenly asked to play every new music ensemble work, uh, which I was really excited to do. Um, I spent some time working on projects where I was putting friends together from the jazz department, classical music, different um, genres and getting them together to work on music. And I spent the second year of my master's working full time, which was a whole other journey. Um, and so I do think that having both degrees really gave me the opportunity to expand what I was working on. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I just did my undergrad in music. And what advice do you have for someone who might be interested in a career in music? And we're interested in both what you think about this personally and professionally. Sure. I would say the biggest thing is to not limit yourself. I think people major in music and think immediately, I'm going to play in an orchestra, I'm going to be a soloist, I'm going to play in a quartet. And they don't realize that a lot of those skills that you learn as a musician are transferable to 
working in any of those groups. So working in an opera company, working in a symphony, you have the same project management skills that you have as a musician. And I've told this to people a lot. When you're preparing for a recital during college, you have to plan your rep. You have to know, I'm gonna have this movement of this concerto, this movement of this sonata prepared by this point so I can get the whole thing learned before my recital. That's the same thing you do in project management. It's just, you're trying to figure out how to put an opera on the stage or how to sell tickets for a performance. It's, it's very similar work. It's just a different focus. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So I have a question now about the conservatory because you work at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. So can you tell us a little bit about the differences between getting a music education at a conservatory versus getting one just at a regular university? Yeah, so there are a couple differences. Um, so when you're at a conservatory, socially anyway, you are with other musicians or dancers or actors, whatever the conservatory encompasses, you are solely with those people. Those are your peers, your only peers. When you're at a university, you're meeting English majors and psychology majors and pre-med majors. You're meeting all sorts of different people who have very different stories. They may or may not like music. Um, and so you're, you're getting the opportunity to meet different people, which some people like and some people don't. Some people only want to be around people who like music and want to focus on it. Um, and then curriculum-wise, when you're at a conservatory, most of your classes are going to be in music. Um, at SFCM, we have themes for the year. And so if we're the theme is nature and music. Some of our classes are going to be more nature oriented and we're going to be able to focus our curriculum on the repertoire that's happening for the year. And it'll be a more holistic approach to music and how to think about music. Whereas at a university, you're going to have to take two lab sciences. You're going to have to take a math class. You're going to have to take English and you're going to be in most likely large lecture classes at least once or twice um, and not everyone likes that some people do i didn't um, so everyone's experience is different and some people really want to be in a conservatory and some people really want to be in a university i don't think one is better than the other uh, so it's really important to figure out what's important to you yeah, yeah, I really agree. I think there's different opportunities at both kinds of institutions that can really work great depending on the individual. For sure. So what advice do you have for someone who is interested in applying to a music school? Are there any red flags or common missteps in an application that you might advise to watch out for? So my best advice to anyone applying to music school is to stay organized and do your research. Not every music school is the same, just like not every school is the same. In general, when you're applying, English majors have it easy. <laughs> Their application process is pretty much the same no matter what school they apply to. They might have different test requirements, or the essays might be different, but when you're applying to a music school, the audition rep required is different for every school. It might have some similarities, but every school asks for something slightly different. The 
you might have essays that you need to write. You might not. You might have to audition live. You might be able to submit a recording. So it's really important to figure out what all of your options are. And it can be really overwhelming, which is why I don't suggest people apply to 12 schools like <laughs> some people do. Um, but you need to have your options. So some schools have pre-screening, some don't. You need to have a healthy balance of the two so that you're not stuck in a position that you don't wanna be in. Um, other advice is to start your audition rep as soon as you can and play it as much as possible. So a lot, especially now, a lot of things are happening over video or you're submitting video recordings or you're doing things over Zoom. You need to get comfortable playing in front of those devices. It, can be more nerve-wracking than playing for an audience and so it's really important that you get comfortable doing that and just record yourself and watch it i know it's uncomfortable but you really need to do it because that's what the faculty are seeing when they see your application it's they're seeing that recording and so it's really important that you both sound good and that the video looks good too um, in terms of red flags, believe it or not, I have to say this, make sure the recording is of you and make sure that you haven't edited the video, that you haven't edited the audio. We really want to hear your playing more than anything. And so I know it's tempting to want to spend a lot of money to make these recordings sound as good as they possibly can, but know at the end of the day, they're going to go through an application system, which is likely going to condense the quality. And so it's not going to make that big of a difference in the end. So make it about your playing, make sure your playing is good, that you are happy with the recording. Um, and then other kind of missteps that can happen can be submitting an essay with the wrong school name in it. So make sure you read your essays before you submit anything. And if you do make a mistake, then you have a choice to make. You can either ask the school if you can change it or you have to just live with it. So mistakes happen and we understand that, but the more you can really pay attention to the details and that can make a big difference. Um, I love that, having <laughs> making sure that you submit the recording of yourself. It's happened, it's happened not often. It is very rare, but it has happened. Yeah, um, wow. Some other, uh, just some other advice that I'll offer. So a lot of schools, especially now, are offering online information sessions. You really want to learn about the school. I know that some, some big conservatories have a name that is recognizable. and You may feel like you already know everything that you need to know about blah, 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 conservatory. But you may not know everything. So things change. Schools change. What one student's experience was 10 years ago may not be the same experience now. 
So it's really important to stay up to date on what's happening with the school. Pay attention to how they're reacting to COVID-19. It might be important um, down the line for you. Um, if you know students who are at those schools right now, talk to them, ask them what their experiences are, ask them what they like, ask them what they would change, ask them who their favorite faculty are, who their, what their favorite classes are, things like that, just to get a sense of the community, the people who would be your peers, do you like them? Um, it's important to have that sense of community when you're in college because it's a very transformative time in your life and so you these people are really going to be your colleagues for the rest of your life um, yeah yeah we're proof of that yeah for sure <laughs> yeah we've known each other for 14 years now right uh, oh man okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are a couple books that are really good about about applying to music schools specifically. Um, there's one called College Prep for Musicians, which is really helpful. Um, it's a lot of information that you may probably know, you may not know. Um, it's a good resource as a baseline, but you still need to do the research about the individual schools. So just keep that in mind. When it comes to actually taking your auditions, it on a normal year, not COVID-19, they're expensive. If you're flying, if you're applying to 12 schools and say you got past pre-screening for 10 of them, that's potentially 10 auditions that you have to fly to. So you have to think about that. You have to plan your schedule. That's why if schools are accepting recordings, you can figure out what schools you wanna send recordings to and what schools you want to audition live at there's really no benefit or disadvantage to submitting a recording versus going to a live audition. Of course, schools would love to see you in person and faculty would love to meet you in person, but we know it's not always possible, especially for schools that are on the West Coast. Um, it's not as common. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, that's already a lot of really fantastic yeah. advice that I wish I had thought about more myself when I was 18. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in general, don't be afraid to talk to people. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think that's really, at the end of the day, what this whole process is about. There are people like me who work at admissions offices, and many of those people are musicians they have music degrees they've been through this before and that's why we're doing what we're doing and it's because we that's what we love doing we love helping people through this process and so don't be afraid to reach out to us the faculty aren't your only resource so we have a ton of information and we've heard these questions a million times and we are more than happy to help answer them yeah fantastic and do you have any advice on ways that you might make your application stand out to a specific professor or school that you might be interested in? Yeah, be specific. Do the research, take the research that you've done and know what kind of students they have at that school and show them how you can contribute to that community and how you can make an impact. Um, 
knowing that a conservatory is within a college or a university or knowing what that university maybe specializes in other than music, just having those details and including those in your essays can make your application stand out. Reaching out to the faculty can help know that they're very busy and so they might not answer your email. Don't be afraid to email them a second time a couple weeks or maybe a month later if they don't respond. Um, they are busy. They have many things that they're doing. So if they if you don't hear from them, that's when you can reach out to someone in the admissions office, ask them questions. They likely can answer your questions too. So and that's what they're there for. So use the resources. Um, kind of the same advice. So be proactive in your engagement with the schools. We pay attention if you're interested and it makes an impact. So if you are interested, attending information sessions, touring the campus, asking questions can, can really help. What have you been doing lately to feed your creativity? It's interesting because I am a musician. I'm still a musician. And I started my shelter in place by practicing a lot. I was convinced I was going to get back into it and this was going to be my creative renaissance. And then that quickly fell apart, but I was kind of okay with it because I learned that you don't have to be creative during this time and that's okay. And so what I've been sort of doing instead is feeding my knowledge so I've been watching documentaries with friends of mine through virtual watch parties, and I've been listening to audiobooks and taking classes and really trying to do what I could to feed my brain during this time. Um, and that's been something that I've somewhat neglected, I guess, since college. And it's been the opportunity to take advantage of the time and just learn as much as I can. I like that answer. <laughs> That's really good. Because yeah, I remember, remember, when, remember when this started in March and we were all just like, oh, it's just going to be a couple of weeks or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Like I'll have these couple of weeks and I can get some extra practice in for a few weeks. And then it's like, well. No. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alyssa. This has been really fantastic, and I've really loved hearing about your advice and about your story and what's gotten you to where you are now. Of course. I'm so happy to help. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for joining us on the Counterpoint Club. We are so grateful that you've shared your story and so much helpful advice with our listeners today. Again, a reminder that you'll find more materials and links to the resources that Alyssa mentioned on the corresponding blog post for this episode at thecounterpointclub.org. The Counterpoint Club is brought to you by the nonprofit organization Chamber Music Madness. The hosts are Sarah Pizzikemi, Brandon Vance, Justin Curries, and Willie Braun of the Skyros Quartet. Our producer is Sharon Wong. 
The theme music for the Counterpoint Club was composed by Brandon Vance and performed by the Skyros Quartet. The Managing Director for Chamber Music Madness is Virginia Wright. Thank you to our Chamber Music Madness sponsors, For Culture, ACMP Associated Chamber Music Players, the Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, and Arts Fund. Visit our website, thecounterpointclub.org, for our guest artist's bio and additional resources. You can listen to The Counterpoint Club wherever you get your podcasts.